The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted today to welcome to the show Nick Clements, who has been studying men for at least 20 years and has just put out a fictional novel called The Alpha Wolf, within which he discusses through the novel all aspects of men in this modern-day world and some of the things that we as men need to attend to. And I'm sure all the women listening will also understand and appreciate the work that Nick is doing, helping men to become more like alpha wolves than uh, alpha males. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Good afternoon. Well, perhaps you should uh, begin by giving us a little bit of background about yourself and the work that you've been doing and what led to you actually writing a novel rather than a, a non-fiction book in this case. Yeah, I mean, I, like, like you say, I've, I've, I've worked with men and boys for a long time, so doing rites of passage ceremony, uh, working in areas of high social need with um, fathers and absent fathers, those kind of things. And, um, you know, my interest is because I'm a bloke. <laughs> because, you know, By the way, uh, for our North American listeners, a bloke is a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a strange English word, you know, bloke. Because yeah, it it's, is a strange word, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's between being a boy and being a man. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think a lot of, lot of men right now are blokes they're kind of a bit of boy and a bit of man and they're relatively immature um and i think you know a lot of my work is to look at how do we uh, get our boys and men to become more mature behave more maturely and take a you know very positive role in society rather than the negative one which they've had in the past and you chose to write this book as a as a fictional novel why, why did you go that route well, I, I wrote two, two before, so this is the third uh, in a trilogy. The, the two before are quite dry pieces, you know, about how men can do this work. Um, and I wanted, you know, I, I, I trained as a, as a stand-up comedian, so, you know, I'm used to making people laugh. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's very important for me, you know, that, that I could tell stories, uh, in this, in, in the Alpha Wolf, in a way that I couldn't in the previous books, 
Um, and it's just a way of trying to open up uh, discussion about masculinity into the mainstream. Great. Now, The Alpha Wolf, the title of the book, in some ways could be deemed as a, a dangerous title because it could be mm. easily misunderstood by people. So tell our listeners what, what, mm. why The Alpha Wolf and what it actually means. Well, what we were looking at in the book is this idea that uh, the lead character is, starts off as an alpha boy. I call him an alpha boy. You know, he, he has success, he has money, he has acclaim, he has all the things that our culture want him to have at a very early age. So he has all of these things, but he's actually immature and unable to handle all of those things. So for me, he's an alpha boy rather than an alpha wolf. And what, I, what we're looking at is how can he mature into an alpha wolf? And through the, throughout the piece, I'm quoting a shaman, uh, understanding what a wolf does, how the wolf clan evolves, develops, and how the alpha wolf actually is a very benevolent character, is actually the character that holds the culture together rather than takes it apart. Um, so to actually move from being an alpha boy into being an alpha wolf is quite a journey for our men nowadays. And in terms of uh, the shamanic understanding of the male wolf, perhaps you could explain mm. how that evolves. So he, he starts out as mother's boy. You know, he's, he's brought up, the wolf is brought up by uh, women wolves. He's then thrown out of the home and becomes lone wolf, which a lot of our men are in at the moment, that state where you have to survive. You have to learn wilderness skills in order to be able to survive. Um, and then he actually goes, and when he's done that successfully, he then goes and seeks a clan. He goes and seeks where he belongs, and he becomes the grey wolf. So the grey wolf wolf uses his skills and shares his skills and learns new skills in the pack and then at a certain point uh, the opportunity to become an alpha wolf arises only for a few of us and that's the really interesting aspect the alpha wolf is monogamous you know looks after the clan looks after the people in a very gentle way rather than this uh, our understanding you know the alpha wolf is this kind of macho image it's not like that and so the journey of the wolf, as you've just described it, begins with him being nurtured by the feminine aspects of the, yeah. of the clan, and then he goes on his own lone journey, then returns basically in service to his pack. Yeah. And then may have the opportunity to actually lead the pack with love. Absolutely. And, and you know, what the shamanic understanding of that is, you know, he, he's in control of his internal pack as well as the external one. And I love that as a phrase, you know, that, that he's done his own shadow work. He's worked with himself sufficiently to be in control of his own clan, eternal to him. So let's actually uh, just talk a little bit about the book, because early on in the book, uh, Alpha Boy is very much engaged in sexual activities. Actually, <laughs> I like the way you've done it through going to uh, New Age workshops and, and finding yeah. women and having conquests without consequence and being mm. addicted to the ideal of the sexual encounter, which sadly many of our Alpha Boys are today. Just talk a bit about that. Just that, you know, he, 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 what he finds exciting is the chase. 
what he find you know what thrills him is the anticipation and often because because he's only interested in a one night stand the actual consummation can be very disappointing and also that uh, you know if it's a numbers game he keeps a tally he keep you know so it's a very male pastime to keep you know what, what do we used to say you know the notches on the bedpost and it's a, a, a very male macho path which the alpha boy does, you know, because he's not mature enough to have a long-term relationship. He doesn't understand the benefits and the beauty that comes with a long-term relationship. He only seeks consequences of these conquests without consequence. And there's no real emotional engagement in this at all? No. And, you know, like a lot of, lot of boys around now, he, he doesn't have a father figure. He's, you know, he's not being taught by men how to be emotionally intelligent. So he's got lots of success. He's successful in his work. He's successful. He thinks he's successful in his, in his love life. Mm. And he's got lots of money and he's got all the trimmings. So what needs to happen for him to realize that perhaps this isn't it? What happens in the book? Yeah. Well, what we're looking at is, is he, typically we call him, he's a man in ascent, so he's, he's shooting upwards. And what happens at a certain point is that he's wounded. He gets wounded. And interestingly, you know, what happens to the huge deflation of his ego. Because so again, we lost, Nick, we lost you there for a second again. So let's yeah. go. So yeah. you're talking about his, uh, his going upwards, so continue from yeah. there. So he's in the scent, um, whilst he's going upwards, he's, uh, he encounters disappointment. And the disappointment is in, uh, he, he's overlooked for promotion. So this does his ego in it. So it's about ego. And then how he, how he does or doesn't manage uh, that, that apparent failure in not mm. getting the promotion. And, and, you know, he stews on it because he doesn't know how to emotionally deal with these things. He internalizes it and becomes depressed. And then eventually he's made redundant, which is for him a huge disappointment. And uh, he has to look outside himself for new ways. So he's in dissent now. Um, and culturally, we don't like being in dissent. We want to remain in ascent all the time. But actually, to be in dissent is very useful, you know, because it gives us the opportunity for reflection. It gives us time to actually grow and uh, mature. Now, interestingly, as a as a consequence of his sexual methods, uh, he ends up being tricked into uh, being the father of a child, which obviously is another key part of the of the story. Yeah, yeah, and and. You know, he's, he's never thought of himself as a father, um, but his daughter um, teaches him about unconditional love. You know, she, she loves him. She doesn't know the story of her conception. She just knows he's her dad. And the sense of humor which she has, the way in which she actually uh, gets into his life, I find very typical uh, about daughters, you know, that they, they're very, very clever at um, ensuring that you do what they want rather than what you want, uh, he said from personal experience. Uh, and, and, but using a sense of humor by, by you know, 
enabling the, the man to, you know, the father uh, to think that he's in charge. I mean, really, um, emotionally, they, they are actually calling the tune in that sense. Absolutely. And, and you know, she's, she's uh, very key in his development because he suddenly sees women, you know, as different, as, as more than just sex objects, because he now has a daughter to look after, to, to care for, uh, to have responsibilities around. And he's never had that with a woman before. So she actually uh, softens his edges and, and gets him to perhaps drop into his heart for the first time. Absolutely, yeah. And, some, you know, he, he actually says he loves her, which, you know, for a lot of men, um, that's kind of an e easy way, but it's also a very painful way. You know, he says to his daughter he loves her. He's never said that to a woman before. And, uh, you know, very importantly, she is able to draw out that generous aspect of, of her father. You know, he wants to please her. He wants to make her happy. And that's fantastic for him to develop this aspect. You know, he's previously a very selfish man. And uh, it suddenly draws out the generous aspect of himself. So, Nick, we're coming up to our first break, so we'll take that now and we'll continue with uh, Nick Clements after the break talking about the Alpha Wolf. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co Creation. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. There are a lot of questions about psychic reading and messages from beyond and what they say to us and about us. Join hosts Pat Nelson and Bryce Korsanowski for Illuminating You. Our program will answer many of the questions that you may have and others will have. Our guests discuss and share their personal stories of triumph over trauma. We'll talk about all aspects of healing, living as a part of nature, and other psychic and medium topics. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. 
just to remind us, go to my website, www.petertongue.com, where my latest newsletter will be posted, my September newsletter with all of the information right up to date, as well as our uh, Leo workshop uh, that took place in the month of August. And also all of the radio shows are archived there with descriptions, uh, alphabetical and chronological order. So you can look over the well over 200 shows now that we've uh, been doing with uh, Voice America. And also www.myheartcenteredjourney.com, which is our heart-centered journey and our ambassadors of light class. We have a class tomorrow evening actually at 530 uh, where I talk about all the things that are happening with spirit and in spirit at this current time. I have with me today Nick Clements. We're talking about his book, The Alpha Wolf, and the male energies that um, have required a lot of uh, concern, really, and and, uh, encouragement for the males in our lives, in our worlds, to mature beyond being boy-like. And we're talking about the main character in the book, uh, Roger, who uh, is going through the transition, the transformation from the alpha male into the alpha wolf. And in the book, uh, you, you, you use uh, games and alcohol as uh, one of or the, the, some of the distractions that take Roger uh, away from uh, looking closely at himself. Can you talk a bit about your experience with that as, as a, in, in men in general? Yeah, men in general, uh, you know, are, are very addictive characters. You know, a lot of the men that I work with um, are very quickly addicted to, and so that's what games and drugs, alcohol, those kind of things play on, um, is that it's very, very simple uh, way of being. That um, Roger feels he's in charge of the world and the king, the ruler of it, um, and when things start uh, falling apart, he blames others. So it's not his responsibility that things are falling apart. It's, it's the other people in his life. And um, we can all, because we're uh, very good at uh, fooling ourselves that that's, that's the way the world is, uh, it takes him a long time to realize that actually uh, he can stop blaming other people and actually start looking at himself his own behavior patterns and seeing that he could change uh, and that he could change for the positive rather than. So Nick, you're, you're still cutting out occasionally. So, so okay. to, to follow up on that, um, mm. one of the key areas I know in, in terms of this transition, this maturation that men need to go through is actually being prepared to, to look at our, sh- our shadow, if you want to call it that, the, yeah. the aspects of ourselves that we really don't want to look at. And obviously, in the story and in life, Roger and men are somehow being pushed into having no choice but to look at that. Absolutely. The, the economic crisis, you know, the crises which we're now facing um, are bringing about a change. You know, we, we have to face the consequences of our actions as a species, uh, we have to face the consequence of our actions. And, uh, you know, it's, it's no good us blaming other people. All of us individually and as a species have to start saying, well, actually, we can do something about this. We need to be positive about this rather than negative or putting our heads in the sand and ignoring it. 
Um, so there's there's a lot of change that is presently happening, which we're being forced on. You know, a lot of a lot of men are being made redundant. A lot of men are losing their jobs. They don't want to do that, but it's it's forcing them to change. Um, you know, a good good friend of mine has just lost his job. He's been in a job for a long time. He's he's now, you know, looking after the kids. The kids are quite young. Um, you know, what an opportunity for him to grow and for his kids to gain something from their father as well as their mother. So, you know, there's, there's, there's positive in amongst the darkness. So when you are working with men and, and it's time or they've come to the point of realization that they actually need to look at themselves and look at that shadow side, how do you assist them in going there and, and not getting completely taken over by fear or, or the concerns of, of actually looking that closely at yourself. How, how do you help them with that? It's, it's, they do need to go pretty deeply. You know, the, 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 this work is, is pretty tough. Um, it's, it's not um, simple and it's not a simple choice. But, um, you know, the, the, the metaphor that we use is always, you know, the silver lining in the cloud. So we're looking for the silver lining, uh, but it may not be what they're expecting. It may well take them well outside of their comfort zone, and they may have to do activities. They may have to see themselves in a completely different light and may have to learn completely new skills. Um, late in life, quite a lot of men are now having to learn new skills in order to move on through crisis. And... Um, yeah, it's a very exciting time, but it's also very challenging. And so one of the things that uh, you, you, we talked about, which isn't in the book actually, was a, a vision quest that a young man went on, um, which, which I'd love you to talk about because not only is vision questing a sort of one of the traditional rites of passage for young men in the, in the old indigenous ways, but you actually brought this into current time. So I'd love you to explain that little vignette. Yeah, yeah. We we were asked uh, by a night as a as a man's group, as a as a group of older men. Uh, we were asked by a nineteen year old boy to put him through a vision quest. And uh, you know, being the old geezers that we are, we said, "Yeah, you know, you go and sit in the wilderness for four days." And um, he said, "That sounds really boring." And so we said, "Okay, so what kind of new aspect can you bring to it?" And when we were discussing his personality, his personality was one of being the loner, of not communicating with other people. So we came up with a vision quest for him where he had to talk to people, where he had to create the opportunity to, to uh, speak with strangers. So we drove him um, about 70 miles from his home and uh, put him on a completely unmarked road just in the middle of nowhere and said, okay, no phone, no money, no water, no food, nothing. Start walking home. We'll see you in four days. And the only thing that he had to do was to tell the truth, to be authentic and to tell his story and to rely on the kindness of strangers. Um, it all sounded wonderful as a theory, 
when the first night came, you know, me and his mum and dad were terrified that, uh, you know, he's going to be dead somewhere on the middle of the road, you know, making his way back. He didn't know where he was. Uh, by the third night, we were having kittens um, <laughs> and we were just absolutely terrified. And then on the fourth day, he phoned me from home and said, you know, I've made it home. So I rushed around and we sat with him for eight hours and debriefed and mirrored um, his story for him. Um, you know, and I'll tell you, you know, he, he got paid money. People just gave him money. People fed him. Three of the nights he slept in people's houses who put him up. The generosity and kindness of people just was overwhelming. And what was fantastic, he said um, right at the beginning of the experience, but he realized the people who gave him the most were the ones who wanted the least in return. And that really bugged him. That really annoyed him in some way. And then after a couple of days, he realized he was giving them the gift of being kind. He was, his gift to them was the opportunity to be kind to another human being. What a, what a wonderful thing for a 19-year-old to get as a message from the rest of humanity. And, you know, he's now, you know, the parent completely transformed, changed person. And, you know, he absolutely got so much from being on his own for four days and relying on other people. And I think that for me is a great vision quest because he's asking, you know, the question that he was asking was, what is it that changes me from being a boy to being a man? And, you know, here we are, you know, be kind to people, be generous, be, you know, look for opportunities to share. What more do we need? <laughs> exactly. And it's neat that this wasn't like a vision quest going out into the bush and, and, uh, and fasting and living off the land. This is actually living off the kindness of people, the generosity of people. Absolutely. Yeah, he, um, he he said he didn't want to go home, you know. <laughs> such a great time. He said, so, I don't want to go home. So what did he actually do right at the very beginning in terms of he's in the middle of nowhere, doesn't know where he is. What did he actually do at that point? He, he, he said, you know, I mean, we blindfolded him in the car, so he was completely disorientated. He didn't know where he was. You know, he didn't know which direction we'd gone even from his home. He said the first thing that he did was he was physically sick. Oh, he just threw up, you know, because he was scared. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think it's very indicative of, you know, Vision Quest is, you know, this is facing your fear. This is absolutely, you know, full on uh, an experience. And, uh, and then he kind of, uh, he walked to the, you know, he found a, a village and, you know, he, he very funnily just said to somebody, you know, where's Bristol, which is where he comes from. You know? and, and they just looked at him and said, what do you mean, where's Bristol? You know? And he said, where's Bristol? I've got to walk back to Bristol. And there's the start of the conversation. Uh, so he was forced to communicate. Absolutely. You know, and because all the little road signs, you know, they didn't say Bristol. They, started, they said little places, you know. So uh, he and had to the, And in the meantime, you and his parents were going through a vision quest as well. Absolutely, you know, and that's that. What that's what I, f I felt was so authentic about it was, you know, we were really frightened as well. Yeah. And I think as as elders, that's really interesting with vision quest and with rites of passage. Uh, 
you know, the people who are holding the ceremony are... So we lost you again there, Nick. Just say, so, so we lost you where you said about the elders holding the... Right, the elders holding the space are going through a rites of passage just as the people who are doing the rites of passage are. Right. And, you know, we're mutually uh, initiating each other. And that's very important. And, of course, in our modern world of all litigation and all the legal stuff and all the safety concerns, and here you are and his parents just dropping him off in the middle of nowhere with with nothing. It goes against all the things we've been taught, doesn't it? It was. It was. That was what what we were thinking. You know, was we could see the newspaper headlines. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. one of the one of the stories was that you know he he was it was pouring with rain for most of the four days that he was out, and um, he was on this very lonely piece of road, and a police car came up, and he was absolutely soaking. He was walking up the road, and. Um, the police car came up and he thought, oh, God, you know, I've got no passport. I can't prove, you know, I've got, I don't know, you know, all of this stuff. And the policeman just got out of the car and walked around to him and said, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and, the, and the lad said, you know, I'm trying to get to Bristol. You know, and and uh, no, because he was going his own way home. from. So he went this very strange route. Oh, okay. He said, he said I'm going to Bath. And, and the policeman just said, well, get in the car. And the policeman just drove him to Bath. Wow. And, and you know, the, and the lad's saying, you know, well, isn't this illegal? And the policeman said, yeah, this is illegal. You know, if, any, if another police car stops us, I'm giving you a lift. Your vehicle broke down a while ago. Right, right. And, and at the end of it, the policeman gave him... You know, and, and I just thought, wow, you know, you're being looked after. You're yeah. absolutely being looked after. Angels along the way. Oh, absolutely. So, Nick, we're coming up to our, our break, so we'll take that now. It's Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Health is in your hands. What you do and what you don't do sets the course for the path of your life. Listen for wise chats, simple talk, profound wisdom with Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Through this series, we'll explore energetic approaches to health and healing that provide practical and personal solutions. Our guests will share ideas and insights that will help us all adopt new behaviors and create lasting internal shifts. Wise Chats can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. just want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows, Shari Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, and also the uh, production engineer, Matt, who works with me every single week and does a fantastic job, and Brandy, my producer at Voice America, who provide the opportunity for us to have this show and to give you, the listeners, such wonderful insights and information about this awakening journey that we are all inevitably on in this time frame on planet Earth. And one of those great guests is Nick Clements, who's with me today, talking about his latest book, The Alpha Wolf, and some wonderful stories from the book and from real life as well. Mm. And Nick, uh, in the book, you use a beggar on the street who Roger treats really badly initially as being a Buddha-like figure who emerges as the book uh, proceeds. Just tell us why you use that particular uh, aspect of life to Mm. bring this wisdom through. I think, uh, well, obviously, one aspect of that is is that he's he's a true character, you know, that I actually... Um, have as a very good friend and uh, someone I've known for a long time. Actually, that is his story. Uh, but also, the the people who live on the fringes of our culture, the people who who are kind of forgotten around the edges of us, are actually really great uh, messengers uh, because then. So I, I've lost you again there, Nick. So I need you to come back to talk about the mess, the, their messengers after you. After that, oh, sorry, yeah. Um, so, so they're messengers uh, to all of us because they're not so absorbed with celebrity or money or those kind of uh, mainstream activities, and they're able to uh, bring stories, bring messages uh, from a very different place, from a very different mindset. And particularly someone who's been a beggar for a long time has seen um, the mainstream culture that we live in from a very different perspective and a very useful perspective because um, they're, you know, they're, well, they're at floor level. They're, they can go no further down. And there is a lot of power and a lot of personal uh, enlightenment in those places, despite our kind of fear of them. So in the book, there's a beautiful interplay between Roger, the alpha male, who is beginning to get it, and the beggar figure, who is also like a Buddha figure, who and they both emerge, actually. Um, so explain a bit about that for our listeners. Just, well, just that uh, for, for, for Brian, the beggar figure, um, you know, Roger, Roger actually helps him hugely because... Uh, he, he gives Brian um, a sense of identity. He gives Brian some kind of credibility in the world uh, by listening to him, by actually listening and becoming his pupil, um, which, you know, as Brian up until that point has always just had an inferiority complex and felt himself very small. 
and suddenly someone takes him seriously, someone listens to him, someone is interested in the messages that he has, and actually that transforms Brian as well as Roger. And obviously for Roger, um, there's this, you know, he's, he's always thought of Brian as, you know, the most horrible, repulsive person because of, you know, he's lying in the street begging. Um, and he has to reevaluate this human being. He has to see this human being in the wholeness rather than just on one superficial level. And so that story unfolds beautifully. But, but your friend that you mentioned, that was mm. his real life experience as well. Absolutely. You know, uh, he, he was on the streets for about 10, 12 years and then had an enlightenment period, you know, where, where you know, in his terms, uh, he went mad. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he wrote down things uh, that have become the basis of his healing art that he now teaches. Um, and, you know, he's, he's one of the most remarkable healers that I've ever worked with because he has no ego. You know, he, he, you know as he says, you know, I've, I've begged on the streets, so, you know, I've got no fear of doing that again. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of incredible power in that because he doesn't, you know, he's, he's not uh, dependent on status in the way that other people are. Now, that in itself is a really important statement, isn't it? That we're so wrapped up in worldly expectations and the way we're supposed to be and the way we're supposed to behave. Everybody else's expectations of us and our own expectations of ourselves. And when you let all of that go and you, you become your true, authentic self, then you can behave in the way that you really want to. Absolutely. You know, that, and that happened with the, with the vision quest, you know, the young lad. You know, he, he said after two or three days that people just would stop and look at him because he reached a point at which he was completely gone, he transformed himself into this uh, very interesting person. <laughs> and, you know, Brian is the same. The Buddha beggar transforms himself through the process into someone who's very attractive to us and we don't know why. It just is because he's being authentic, just because he's actually being completely himself. And that's such an attractive thing to be. And it has nothing to do with status and it has nothing to do with money and power in, the, in, the, in that kind of process. One of the statements that, that you used in the book about Roger talking about himself was the, the hole in the core of my being. What, mm. what, did, what did you mean by that? I think a lot of men have a hole in them, you know, in the that should be, you know, because they're not in contact with their heart, with their emotional self. And uh, it hurts. It's, it, it will start complaining, you know, if, if, you, if you ignore your heart for 30 years, it will start complaining about it. And, uh, you know, a lot of men are very hollow, don't have substance and remain superficial and uh, you know it'll, it'll haunt you the shadow will always come and haunt you and come and bite you on the bum when you least expect it <laughs> absolutely yeah so yeah, let's, yeah. let's talk about love for a minute uh, from a male perspective because mm. you know you have all the romantic love and you have women who are gushing about love quite often 
And mm. as men, we sort of, we tend not to do that. Big boys don't cry. We don't show our emotions. Um, so from your perspective, in men becoming open to loving themselves, loving others, that mm. shift that we need to do to fill that hole, essentially, let's talk yep. about that a little bit. I think we're in, in areas of high social need. And in those areas, you know, um, a lot of men find themselves in the fact that they're the father. Becoming a father makes them grow up. And the love of that, you know, there's, uh, there's no kind of stigma around saying that you love your daughter or you love your son or your family. And uh, that's the first place where they can go and get some status from loving. And uh, then obviously they need to look at themselves. You know, they need to start looking at themselves and how uh, incredibly powerful and beautiful and authentic they can be. Uh, and in vulnerability, men find strength. You know, all the men that I work with, when we, when we step into a vulnerable space where we share authentically with each other our vulnerability, we become strong in a very different way to, you know, earning a living uh, on the stock exchange. But, uh, you know, it's a very, very powerful place to be. I can remember when I was the school principal, our school counsellor, who I used to team teach with, said to me, you know, um, being invulnerable, as you are, makes you incredibly difficult to help and support. And, and as the strong male, alpha male in the school system, there's the principal, you mm. obviously you set up that presence, that, uh, that place of total invulnerability, which ultimately is not very helpful, is it? No, no. And, you know, as, as leaders, we need to now lead with vulnerability. We'll go to our, our next break, actually, and then we'll reconnect and return oh. with uh, Nick in a moment. It's yeah. Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. 
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today Nick Clements from just outside Bristol in England. And I do apologize for the little breakups on Skype that have been happening during the show. I hope it hasn't affected your enjoyment and the really great insights that uh, Nick has for us in understanding the process that men have to go through in this shift from being the alpha male, the alpha boy to the alpha wolf. So, Nick, just let our listeners know uh, how they can make contact with you, your website, and other things that you're yeah. doing. Yeah, um, my website is www.nick-clements.com, and um, right now we're running men's workshops, uh, quite a lot of work uh, in the UK, um, and obviously I'm promoting the book through talks and workshops as well. Um, but also uh, linking that to community development, so looking at uh, you know the importance of masculinity and femininity in the creation of community. Fantastic. Now I know you also do have groups uh, with women because uh, I know that some, well, many women uh, who have partners, male partners in the world, are really wanting that shift to take place Absolutely. with their partners. So talk a bit about that. Yeah, um, that came about because, you know, uh, a lot came to me and saying, can you sort my husband partner out for me? <laughs> um, can, can you put my 13-year-old boy through a rites of passage? Um, all of these kind of things. And um, a lot of them, uh, I, what, what, the work we do with, with the women-only groups is to look at the inner and the outer masculine. So looking at... Uh, the inner masculine within the woman um, and how she's created that and how that affects her relationship to outer masculine world. Um, and obviously looking at the idea that the men have an inner femininity as well and an, inner, an outer femininity. And if the women have, have some compassion for their inner masculinity, then they can gain compassion for the outer one if that makes sense. Absolutely. So you're looking actually at, at for the four levels of male-female energy within each of us, two, two within each male and female person. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, the, the dividing line between masculinity and femininity just doesn't exist, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, we're just so similar. It's unbelievable. Now, in the book, uh, in the, at the end of the book, you actually offer some practices uh, to help people manage their their lives and these actually came from the real uh beggar buddha as it were your 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 close friend so perhaps we could now talk a little bit about some of those activities exercises that can help us on this journey men and women on this journey that we're on absolutely yeah i mean you know this this is you came from a man who couldn't read or write, you know, who, who left school at the age of 14, 15, um, wild um, on the streets for a long time. And 
So, you know, when he started writing this stuff down, he had no idea that what he was talking about had existed previously, you know, the, the yoga or Buddha or whatever existed. Um, so for him, the practice is breathing, you know, just to breathe correctly and just to know how to breathe. Um, and you can imagine this within his pose and posture whilst he's begging. Um, the second one was relaxing and how do you control your movements so that you relax at all time and then balancing and grounding. How do you ground yourself? And then the mind body connection. So he talks about uh, the internal messages and how do we, uh, you know, listen to them and approve them. Um, and then he, he talks about self you know, for him, that's very important that he did this every day, that kind of personal discipline going. And then identifying the truth. How do you listen to your body to, to identify the truth? And then making it real. How do you struggle with this? How do you do, document process, progress? And how do you create ceremonies and rituals? So in the book, we go into a lot of detail in the end section um, about that, and that's taken from his notes, which he wrote um, in this period. So, were you actually the person that interpreted those notes and put them into this form? Is that was that part of your yeah. work? Yeah, I mean, you know, his his writing was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it's been quite a labour of love to actually put them together. Um, but yeah, he's you know he still works with this principle. Um, he's a great healer, as I said. And um, he just teaches people very, very gently, very, very subtly. And, you know, these are the principles he's saying, you know, if you've got the discipline to do this every day, then it will radically affect your life. And, you know, he's living proof of that. And, and do you follow this method yourself? Um, I wish I could say that I did it every day. The good one, but um, I do. You know, I do uh, do do. I do have at least half an hour a day where I'm in meditation and where I'm looking at these things. So let's just talk about the the, the two or three things there which were important. You talked about the mind body connection, and you, but you also talked about um, the the body informing you of the truth. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of what his work was about was this idea that, uh, that we have a soul and that the soul connects to your body, not to your mind. So there's, the mind has to go through your body to connect to your soul. And that's quite an interesting concept that, uh, you, you know, the, the soul is informing your body. So if you ask your body a question, uh, you'll connect to your soul. So you're getting insight and awareness more through how the body feels than how the mind thinks. Absolutely. And, you know, the mind can tell you whatever it wants to construct. The body is not going to lie because the body's the body. It's not in its interest to lie to you. Right. And then you mentioned self-discipline in terms of, of actually um, getting yourself into a practice that works for you. Yeah, and, and, and repeating it, you know, doing it, being consistent, um, you know, for, for 
for Brian and you know that was that was the main thing was you know he was addicted to alcohol he was he was a very violent man you know he's been in prison and all of those kind of things and so he knew that he had to have that discipline in order to change the messages in order to change the programming and that doesn't come with just a couple of weeks that comes over a period of years in the book, you use the, the metaphor uh, of the caterpillar, the cocoon, and the butterfly. We've only got a couple of minutes left. Yeah. So as a, a sort of a completion of, the, of today, I'd love you to just talk about what that means. Yeah, we, it, just, it just came as a metaphor, really. But, you know, the caterpillar eats the plant on which it lives and will kill itself in that sense of eating the whole of the plant and then not having anything to eat. Who does that remind you of, you know, on the planet? And that the, the caterpillar knows on some level that it can become the butterfly, but it has to go through the cocoon. And the cocoon is the meltdown, is the complete dismemberment, you know, in the shamanic terms, um, of the self. And that's a pretty scary thing to go through. And that's a, a phase that all of us have to go through to some degree before we can become the butterfly. Yeah, you know, and, and, but the DNA of the, butter, of the caterpillar is the same as the butterfly. That's what we forget in our fear of the cocoon, you know, because it's madness, because it's insanity, because it's breakdown. Um, we forget that actually, you know, the DNA survives. And therefore, this transition is inevitable, actually. Yeah, and if you don't transition, you end up being a big fat caterpillar who has <laughs> nothing to eat, you know, so <laughs> come on. Great. Well, I've really, really appreciated this time with you, Nick. You're doing great work in the world. We need more of you, and uh, I really appreciate the work you're doing on behalf of men, women, and boys. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining me today. Good. Well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, today's show with uh, Nick Clements, the book, The Alpha Wolf, the website, www.nick-clements.com. And I hope you've enjoyed the, the discussion with Nick today. Really, really important from my perspective that we get a good understanding of, of men and, and how we operate and what we need to do to make these necessary changes. My guest next week will be following on this, actually, is Deborah Laval talking about the leap to freedom. And she has spent a fair chunk of her recent time really going deeply into what we would call guilt and sin. And she will be explaining to us next week how that illusion has kept us trapped and that the leap to freedom is when we actually recognize that indeed guilt and sin are an illusion. So another good show to look forward to next week. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.